If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 75 of Confessions of a Marketer, switching on sales. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Jonathan Soares is back to continue our chat from last time. We'll get to that in just a moment. Coming soon, Taylor Ryan will be in to talk about some of the changes in the Google algorithm. And later on, we'll have a couple of episodes with Rob Whedon of DealSignal and Jeremy Middleton of Permata to discuss data intent and marketing. Prism HR CMO Scott Horn will be here to tell us about what it's like to market a high-growth company. And in the weeks ahead, we've snagged Victor Machado of Post and Wall to go a bit deeper on SEO versus SEM. And Angel Hollis Vaccaro of Deloitte will be here to discuss the Deloitte report beyond marketing experience reimagined. Plus, A.J. Wilcox will be with us to opine on the social media minefield. And Joe Martin of CloudApp, he's one of the best follows on Twitter if you get a chance to follow him. He'll be here to chat about video and visuals in marketing. Lots more in store. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T.org. Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. I want to invite you to have a listen to my other venture, the Innovation Podcast, the iPod with Garnett Harriman. Lots of fun stuff happening over there. Head over to the innovationpodcast.co to tune in. Okay, Jonathan Soares. Jonathan and I dug into social selling in the first part of our chat, and we continue in part two. We got to my favorite subject, trends, late in this chat. We also discussed some success stories for Jonathan's firm, Agency Labs. But to start, I asked him about the right time to start talking about your product. Really, when you start the switch from marketing to sales. And his answer was loaded with the kind of insight you'd expect from someone who deals with CMOs all day long. So let's get to it. Do you advise your clients that, hey, we're at step one and there are 12 steps in this and you can't really start talking about your product until you're at step five? How, how do you advise them? So, I mean, I mean, for us on, on our side of the business, you know, we work with a lot of agencies as their development partner. So we're either helping these larger marketing and advertising agencies and even their end clients, which are, you know, 
large you know corporate CMOs in, in figuring out specific deliverables for different issues that, that they're working on. And it's easy when you're in a meeting to see an opportunity and all of a sudden say, oh, well, we could potentially do this or we could potentially do that. And I think CMOs and VPs of marketing, when their agency partner is in those situations, they can tell what's like a, a genuine recommendation and what's an angle for a potential new scope of work that they could potentially put in front of them. Yeah. So I, I think it, it's a delicate balance, but we see it often. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, everyone's trying to, to grow their businesses. They're trying to pitch new and exciting uh, types of solutions. So it's... Uh, it's interesting seeing that dynamic work firsthand. Yeah. So what success stories can you share with some of your clients that you've done work with? Success stories. Well, uh, we actually just finished a pretty big website build for LionBridge.com. They're one of the largest uh, translation companies in the world. Oh, yeah. That was a, a wonderful experience. We actually worked with Vivaldi. They're an agency in New York City that handled design and strategy and uh, the client side uh project management and we did all the technical architecture and due diligence and the build piece and the testing and the launch but uh, their CMO said it was the smoothest launch that he's experienced in over 20 years just hearing that because oftentimes being the engineering firm to a lot of these either in-house agencies or traditional agencies the reason we exist and the service that we offer it's because most people have had bad experiences with engineers developers building things yeah. <laughs> i mean everyone has a story of you know this developer that was working a project he went rogue right. he disappeared wouldn't communicate he broke this this happened and I could start a podcast series on just that topic. There you go. We should do that together. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. But yeah, I mean, that's really why why we exist is to to combat a, a lot of those specific issues. Yeah. So, how do you take your concept of social selling and actually market your own company? How do you how do you approach new clients? What's the technique that you use? So. I believe primarily that email outreach is the most effective. I don't believe in email newsletters or, you know, sharing a blog post. Uh, however, um, I'm excited to, to be able to, to share some of the podcasts that I've been on, including this one, because I've seen a lot more engagement from podcasts than uh, content that I had written in the past. So yeah. I, I think that that's an interesting trend. But but aside from that, you know, email for, for us is, is really important because it's, it's the direct uh, line to our prospective uh, clients. Most of the email outreach or social outreach that we're doing, it starts on LinkedIn. We're viewing profiles. That's something that's really important on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. If you have your privacy settings, you should look into them and make sure that people can, can view when you're looking at their profile. Because the best way to build a relationship on LinkedIn is to look at someone's profile. They'll look at your profile and they'll read who you are. Yeah. And they're, and all of a sudden you have a potential, you know, warm prospect. Right. Um, and that's how, you know, we, we reach out to folks that, you know, we're engaging with them on social. We're compiling, you know, their, their information. And then we're reaching out to them as, on a, on a campaign level targeted to, you know, our, our specific service. So it's, it's highly targeted and very effective. And it's people that know that we're kind of, you know, already in, intrigued in who they are and we want to connect with them directly. Yeah. And it's you used another interesting word there, engaging and, and our engagement. And that's a, an important part of social selling, I would imagine, because a lot of the interaction 
on social media from brands is one way. And you're talking about engaging, which is a two-way street, right? Absolutely. I mean, you have to engage with their content. Um, if they if they share something on LinkedIn that, that you find interesting, you know, leave a comment. Yeah. Don't be afraid to tweet at, at a prospective client and say, hey, you know, I love your product. I really want to talk to you. I've closed so much business because I've reached out either on Instagram or on Facebook. I mean, we, we landed one of our largest accounts because someone saw a piece of content, you know, a portfolio piece that I shared on Facebook. Yeah. And next thing I know, I've got a global purchasing reaching out to me saying, hey, I heard you guys build some amazing websites uh, and apps. We, we'd love to talk to you. So it works. It's just a matter of spending the time uh, and being thoughtful about it. Yeah. So let's uh, widen the aperture here and, and think about the future. What trends are you following that you think fellow marketers should pay attention to over the next year or more? Trends are tricky. And they're tricky because it's it's like the shiny new object syndrome right. with, with a lot of marketers. Yeah. They see things and they hear things and it's, oh, I got to have that. But does the data support that the trend is actually effective? And we hear that a lot where we're talking with C-level marketing folks, we're even C-level executives across the board where they see something yeah. and they think it's cool and, and they want to have it. Right. Every meeting we're in, well, we want this, we want that. And next thing you know, I mean, re recently, like personalization and, and geolocation is, is a huge hot button yeah. thing. So everyone wants, you know, you land on their website, it, I want it to be personalized for a visitor or I want them to, to know specifically that, you know, you're from Chicago, Illinois. But, you know, what you don't realize is that a lot of that technology is still really evolving and the platforms or the sites that do it well, they spend a lot of money implementing them. We did an experiment and I, I was using the Wi-Fi at Starbucks and then I left Starbucks. It was um, somewhere in New York City and we went to a client's office, literally all the way across town and then we went on their, on a, an example website that they wanted us to kind of replicate on their site. They said, oh, we want that personalization. I said, all right, I want you to click on that website from my laptop and they clicked on it. He's like, why is there content about Starbucks on, my, <laughs> on, on this website? I said, because I was just over there. I said, personalization isn't always, you know, right. uh, as personalized or, or as, as strategic as one would hope. It has its flaws. Yeah. I mean, if you do geolocation they want to detect where you're coming from where we are in connecticut i mean sometimes we'll show up at springfield massachusetts and if you want to you know deliver content based on ip address you know you've got to be careful that you're not sending something that's totally inapplicable because you're going to lose a visitor if all of a sudden they're seeing things that are more geotargeted to them that's you know 60 or 100 miles away so that's part of the conversation that it's about really digging deep and understanding the fundamentals of trends and then figuring out how it's going to apply to that specific organization's business case and then testing it out and seeing if the, the data supports really implementing it on a much broader level. Yeah. So patience and testing and just wait and see is your advice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not about the, there's hundreds of trends. It's not about the trend. It's about the process of figuring out which trend is right for you. Um, it's a thought that goes into that I think is more important because you can test as many trends as you want, but you have to have a system to make sure that it works. Yeah. And well, that's great advice. Some of the best advice I think I've heard on the podcast. It was great chatting with you, Jonathan. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. 
All right, next time, Taylor Ryan is here to talk about changes to the Google algorithm. So stay with us. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You've never tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home-free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.